0: This is Canada Talks Archery. Hi, I'm Kelly Taylor, and I'm your host. We're here to talk about anything and everything as it applies to archery, from compound and recurve to target and hunting. Canada Talks Archery is proud to have PSE Archery as its presenting sponsor. For quality bows for every application, when you want precision shooting equipment, trust PSE Archery. Check out PSE's latest bow, the Shootdown Pro. Contact your local authorized retailer or visit psearchery.com. Okay, so we're here at the 2023 Manitoba Provincial Indoor 3D Championships, and we're chatting with Alan Gunter, um, well-known archery coach and archer from years past. Alan, welcome to Canada Talks Archery. Thanks for having me, Kelly. So, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where, uh, w- what's your experience in archery?
1: Well, I've been uh, I've had a bow in my hand since I was probably about 11 years old. I'm 36 now, so we can do the math on that one. I started to get uh, into it for bow hunting and uh, got involved in some competitions to prepare for that and really fell in love with the competitive aspect of the sport. And really uh, haven't looked back since. I've been competing on all kinds of different levels, I've been a national team member a couple of times, been to some world championships, uh, nationals, all that kind of stuff. In recent years I've kind of taken a little step back from um, the competitive side of things to get more into the coaching and uh, that kind of stuff.
0: All right. So we want to talk about equipment today. And um, I know one of the things that's that, that, you know, a lot of people think is, you know, I just need to buy this little gadget or I just need to do this little tweak or stuff like that. And we know that you can't buy good form, but you can often buy bad results. How does that work?
1: yeah so picking the right equipment for the job that you want it to do is critical um for example uh, if you said uh, i'm just going to shoot indoor spots indoor target uh you want to look for the probably the most forgiving platform you can find which is going to be a a big brace height long axle to axle smooth cam generally speaking Uh, but that same setup is not as good for a game like we're playing today at uh, the 3D Provincials here uh, because it is slow Um, the bow I'm shooting right now for indoor targets 220 feet per second and uh, if you're off by a couple yards on your judging or or your sight tape is off a little bit uh, it's gonna be a big difference Uh, so you want to look for something that's got a little bit more speed for 3D Uh, same thing for hunting you can you can pick uh, the right and wrong bow very easily for hunting, just, ter- just depending on what type of game you're hunting and you know, the scenarios that you're looking at.
0: So let's talk a little bit about 3D because uh, I mean that's what they're shooting here right now. One of the things that we've heard is that uh, if you're judging, if you have a choice of judging a, a yard over or a yard under, choose a yard over because your is gonna rise less than it's gonna fall
1: by, by judging under. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's just simple physics.
0: In terms of once you've got your bow and you're trying to get it set up, what are some of the ways that you can think about um, draw weight, uh, mass weight, holding weight, all those sorts of things that uh, that are going to be unique to every individual?
1: Yeah, they, each one of those things has its own little pros and cons and, and uh, everybody likes to have them set up a little bit differently. But the, again, there are certain certain aspects that uh, you can look at depending on your shot style and the game you're playing. Um, So holding weight, for example, as a general rule, this isn't for everybody, as a general rule, if you're shooting outdoor in the wind, especially the 50 meter stuff, um, a little bit more holding weight is probably going to give you a bit of an advantage because the wind won't blow you around as much. It's not going to affect the string at full draw as much with a little bit more weight back there you can also with a little bit more holding weight run a little bit more stabilizer weight Uh, so there's a little bit of a balancing act there so each one of those things like i said uh, is sort of individual preference but also will relate to the game you're playing
0: now if i go to a big tournament like an asa or something and i see someone like tim gillingham with like You know 56 ounces of weight on his bars and think oh that's what I need Mm
1: -hmm. it's not
0: necessarily the case is it
1: no not at all and that's the it's very personal Uh, it's very uh, each each individual person was going to have their preference Um, the first thing I would say is is there an advantage to running some more weight possibly would I go throw 56 ounces of weight on my bow tomorrow no those guys don't do it either they'll add an ounce here an ounce there two ounces at a time maybe and then eventually they get up to that weight um but don't just go throwing weight on your bow without working your way up there incrementally
0: right because if you can't hold the bow steady it's not going to work for you no matter how much weight you have on
1: there yeah exactly like i i run total ounces of stabilizer weight i'm probably around 15 or so and uh I shot Austin's bow when he was back in town uh, over Christmas, and he's got like 50 ounces, and I couldn't hold that thing up to save my life.
0: I can barely pick up his bow to move it around the house, let alone hold it and shoot it. Yeah, exactly. Now, what about, you know, if you're looking at a bow, you know, say you're looking at the Dominator Duo or the Shootdown Pro from PSE, and you see a bunch of different cam options available. What are some of the considerations
1: that you need to make in terms of choosing the right cam for you? Yeah, that's a great, great question. Um, similar to what we were talking about before, it's all going to depend on sort of your shot style and the game you're playing. Um, some of those cams are a little bit more aggressive, um, which is going to give you a little bit more speed. So for the 3D game, uh, that's going to be an advantage. Uh, some of them are smoother. They're going to be a little bit easier to draw, easier to hold back. The valley is going to be a little bit different, um, so it's it's again personal preference. But there's a few ways that I would look at it depending on um, what game you're playing.
0: When we're looking at sights, um, there's all sorts of sights out there. There's hunting sights. There's slider sights. There's you know something like the XL XP Achieve with the you know the big long bar on it. What are the considerations there?
1: Yeah. Um, Most of the stuff that you're going to look at, uh, if you're shooting competitively, you're going to want something with micro adjust. You're going to want something that um, probably locks down really easily, um, but also has a quick adjust, uh, like a gang adjustment. On a hunting site, you probably don't need the micro adjust. Um, Some guys on a hunting site like multiple pins. I'm a single pin guy on my hunting bow. Um, I shoot a Fast Eddie XL. It's got the dial which is plenty accurate enough for what I'm doing in a hunting scenario. Is it accurate enough for what I'm doing on a competition field or, or in a, you know, indoor 3D or indoor target round? Probably not because I'm trying to be as precise as I can. And that dial, you can get it pretty good, but there's, if I need two clicks on my target site, there is no clicks on the fast eddy, So it's a great site, but it's not going to be as precise. As some of those higher end micro adjust sites.
0: Okay, let's talk a little bit about arrows now, because arrows are a, a prime consideration. And, you know, indoor, 18 meters, um, as long as you're not going too weak, spine's not a huge issue. But once you get outside, once you get into longer distances like the, uh, the 3D shoot here,
1: what are your considerations there? Yeah, so indoors you can get away with a lot. You probably want the biggest diameter arrow that you're allowed to shoot for the category or tournament that you're shooting in. And uh, speed is really not a factor. So shoot a big, heavy, heavy, big diameter, heavy point, all that kind of stuff. Big veins, big feathers, whatever. Uh, Get that arrow as stable as possible, as quick as possible. Uh, As soon as you go to outdoors, if you're talking about the 50 meter stuff, That same arrow is going to be the worst thing that you could shoot for that kind of thing because it's It's going to drift in the wind Big veins are going to get caught by the wind big diameter arrows going to get caught by the wind Uh, Slow is not going to be ideal So you want a small micro diameter something like an Easton X-10 or a black eagle uh, X-impact something like that and small veins you've got more Distance for that arrow to stabilize itself. So you don't need all the big vein on the back and the smaller diameter arrow is going to get stabilized by a smaller vein as well. So, choosing the right arrow for what you're doing is is very critical. And that's where one spot where I think people could probably give themselves a little bit of a, an advantage is by having multiple sets of arrows, and you know switching their bow setup a little bit from tournament to tournament. Set have a set of arrows for 3D. Have a set of arrows for outdoor target. Have a set of arrows for indoor target. Uh, as far as cost goes. That's probably the one thing that you can do to give yourself an advantage for the least amount of money rather than having bows for everything.
0: Now let's talk uh, three-fletch versus four-fletch.
1: That's a good question. That's something I'm experimenting with right now and I I would say that the jury is still out in my mind as far as uh, what my results have been. I love the theory of four fletch in because I think more drag on your arrow is going to stabilize your arrow quicker. That's why I shoot like a four-inch feather for indoor target because feather is going to stabilize your arrow quicker than a vein will. Do you have to refletch them more often? Yes, they're not as durable, all that kind of stuff. But I, I that's a small sacrifice to me. So four fletch is definitely going to give you more drag. It's going to stabilize that arrow quicker, but. Uh, it's also going to slow your arrow down a little quicker as well and gives you a little bit more surface area to get caught by the wind and that kind of stuff. So uh, I love the theory of it. I've yet to come to a conclusion as to whether I think it's um, super beneficial or not, but the, the, the theory is right.
0: And depending on the, the, the width of your rest, um, you may need
1: to move to a fallaway too. Yeah, definitely. I'm shooting currently a 27 diameter arrow with the four fletch that I'm working on and I'm shooting a blade rest and I think I'm just barely getting away with it. So uh, definitely if you're going to shoot anything smaller than a 27 diameter arrow, I would recommend if you're going to shoot four fletch, go to a dropway rest.
0: So that's another question that we can talk about now is uh, is the various rests that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, most of us, we started off shooting with fingers in a whisker biscuit. Yeah. Um, probably graduated to a fixed blade rest so what are the what are the differences between uh, a fixed blade rest um, the ability to micro adjust uh, for forefl- uh, you know a fall away rest um, and and how, how do we decide
1: great question um, fall away rests have come a long ways in the last let's say five to ten years um, prior to that I was there were inconsistencies in follow rests and just the way they worked mechanically I never really trusted them so I've always been a blade rest guy um, but like I said in the last let's say five years uh, dropways have come so far along that I think that they're they're right there in terms of which one's more accurate I think they're probably equal the thing with drop away rest you want to look for is uh, I'm a big big fan of Uh, limb driven dropway rests because i think they stay up longer and get out of the way faster and don't have as much bounce back as uh, cable driven dropway rests Um, the limb driven rests i think are just way more reliable and at this point i think it's kind of six to one half a dozen to the other between that and a blade rest
0: and and the idea is that you want it to be timed precisely so that the blade stays on the shaft as
1: long as possible and yeah, drops
0: just before the fletchings get
1: there, right? That's right. Supporting the arrow for as long as possible and then getting out of the way as fast as it can at the end.
0: So, we've seen a bunch of uh, different categories come into being. The, the the latest one that we're trying in Manitoba is the, the modern bow hunter. Mm-hmm. Gives you a slightly longer uh, stabilizer on the front. Gives you the option of a stabilizer on the side. Um, <clears throat> and target, we often see 28, 30 inch sometimes 36 inch stabilizers. How do you choose? What's what's the consideration there?
1: Yeah, it's gonna have a lot to do with your category that you wanna compete in. Um, so like Hunter class, uh, you gotta be less than 12 inches. Um, as far as length goes, choosing between a 28 and a 30 is kind of personal preference. Um, one thing you wanna look for though, when you're buying a stabilizer is make sure you get something that's stiff enough that's going to handle the amount of weight that you do eventually want to put on there. Like these guys like Austin and Tim Gillingham and Mike Schlosser and guys like that that are running all kinds of crazy weight on their stabilizers, they need something that's going to be stiff, that's going to not act like a wet noodle when you put 30 ounces on a front bar. The wet noodle effect is going to completely negate any benefits of having a stabilizer. Exactly, yeah. It makes it completely... You might as well not have it on there. So... um, if you're just looking at running five or six ounces on the front of your bar, you can get get away with a stabilizer that's not as stiff. In terms of accuracy, you don't need any kind of rubber sound or vibration dampening components on there. Do they make it feel a little bit better? Yeah, probably, uh, but they're not going to add anything for accuracy. And then stabilizer weights, you can get all kinds of different things. You can get the tungsten weights now, you can get uh, bigger diameter uh like I've got some four ounce shrewd weights that are like thin diameter but like a almost like a pie plate on the front of your stabilizer. Um and that's great. Again for indoors that's fine, but outdoors more surface area on the front is gonna act like a sail, so you might not want that big uh surface area. So it's just thinking about again, what are you doing, what do you, what do you want the stabilizer to do and kinda look at the different options from there.
0: Would you say that um, the best shape for outdoors would be uh, a, a pure cylinder rather than, you know, some of those old blade-style rests or the the one with, like, the four... Um, yeah, like the biter stabilizer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I don't know the the actual science on that, but, like, I think it's fairly well proven that a cylinder-style, a tubular-style stabilizer shape is going to be just as good as anything else. Those blade ones were a nice idea uh, but I don't think they, one I don't think they were as stiff so you couldn't add the the weights to them but uh, the biter ones again I used to shoot a biter way back in the day uh, but weight wise you could not add the weights that you can to some of the things that you can that that are available out there now.
0: Alright so last question Um, like most aspects of life people have to set a budget for for what they're getting. And let's assume they've got a bow and they're looking to spend a little bit of money to improve their setup. What are some of the key things you'd suggest they look at?
1: Well yeah, so if you've got a bow and let's say you you've got a few dollars and you want to get one piece of equipment that's going to help you out the most, I would start with a sight. A good sight is going to make a huge difference the beautiful thing about all the accessories is that you can put them on the bow you currently have and then one day, okay, I, you say, I wanna upgrade my bow. Well, all those accessories can transfer over. So get better accessories, start with better accessories and work your way up from there. So I would I would go sight first. After that, I would get a good rest and then stabilizers and kind of work your way out from there. But that have first thing, get yourself a really good sight cuz that's going to be a game changer.
0: Well, I mean, especially if you're at a at a tournament, you know, we don't necessarily have time to dig out the Allen wrench to uh, to loosen the screws on on some of the uh, less expensive sights and and move those around. You basically just want to grab the knob and turn it. Um, so that's a key consideration. The other consideration is a scope. Yeah. What do you recommend in terms of uh, lens, no lens, what strength magnification, and do you put a clarifier in your peep?
1: So, uh, we'll start with the clarifier thing, because that's an easy one for me to answer. I personally believe that if you can get away without a clarifier, you should not use a clarifier whenever possible. The reason for that is that indoors it doesn't matter, outdoors when it's sunny it doesn't matter, but if you get a raindrop on your clarifier lens, in your peep sight, it is game over. You are taking an Allen key and you're taking that lens out and or taking a Q-tip and trying to soak out the water from there. It is, it is a disaster if you get a raindrop in there.
0: Whereas if you don't have a clarifier, you just blow it out and it's done.
1: Absolutely, exactly. So whenever possible, don't use a clarifier, in my opinion. Now, everybody's eyesight is different. So if you need a clarifier run with it and you just have to know what your plan is if you get a raindrop in there carry a cotton ball carry something that you can absorb the water out with in a you know in a second kinda thing so as long as you know what your game plan is you'll be fine Uh, in terms of uh, scopes and uh, lens powers and stuff like that it's very much personal preference again because everybody's eyesight is different and everybody likes their sight picture to look a little bit different I run a four power um, I used to run a 6 power, and I've considered going back to it. It's all a matter of personal preference and and what you like your sight picture to look like, so if possible, I know it's not always doable, but whenever possible, go to a pro shop, go to a local pro shop, and and see if you can put a 4 power lens on your bow, and try it out, and then try a 6 power, and try an 8 power. 8 power is a lot, not too many people are going to shoot an 8 power successfully, but it can be done. So uh, if you don't have that option, I would stick with 4-Power. It's kind of a happy medium. So if you don't have access to all the different things to be able to test them out, I would uh, I would suggest going to the 4-Power. I don't think you're going to be disappointed uh, greatly. Would you
0: say that uh, a higher power lens, the main consideration there is, one, how stable you can hold your bow, and two, um, your tolerance for the pin moving around and still getting a good execution of your of your release
1: yeah that's exactly it so the the magnified the more magnification you have uh not only is it going to magnify the target for you which is nice that's what we want but it's also going to magnify what your sight picture looks like so if you if you have a little bit of a wobble with a four power that eight power is going to make it look like you're moving more you're not actually moving anymore it just looks like it so if your if your mind can accept that extra visual cue of, of movement then go for it but some people will get target panic and stuff from that extra movement and therefore probably shouldn't shoot that higher power
0: okay very good well alan gunter uh, archery coach experienced archer experienced bow technician thanks very much for being on canada talks archery no problem thanks for having me kelly So we're joined now by uh, Canada's newest archery entrepreneur, Brady Haslam of X Shot Archery. Brady, welcome to Canada Talks Archery. Yeah, thank you. Glad to glad to be on here, Kelly. So, uh, give us a rundown
2: on how you decided to get into the lens business. Well, um, I was sh- so I, I I got into archery to originally start bow hunting, and so I was shooting my bow, and then. I heard about this thing called 3D archery that I had never really heard of and people kept talking about it like I knew what it was. <laughs> Finally went home and Googled it and watched some videos and then uh, a little bit of research later, I realized that all the good guys use a lens. Uh, and then, So I went back to the shop and um, I was like, hey, I, I need to buy a lens for, for 3D. And they're like, okay, it'll, that'll be uh two 300 bucks. And then I thought, wait a second. Oh, bet I could do that <laughs> and uh then I just uh went back to my office the next day and uh, uh did a little bit more research and started experimenting and trialing some different things and then I uh figured it out and uh yeah the rest is history
0: so what is unique about your your lenses
2: well um I mean uh, I'll be I'll be real honest with you uh a lens is just a a piece of material that bends light. Uh, and so in that aspect, there's nothing really special about my lenses. They do the same thing as everybody else's, but uh, we're from Canada um and we make a pretty, pretty, pretty high quality lens uh, in terms of clarity and uh, and and other types of optics. And so um yeah, I mean, there's nothing inherently special about my lens, but uh, I think we're able to offer extremely high quality lenses at a pretty darn reasonable price. And so, uh, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing that sets our lenses apart. Um, yeah.
0: And, uh, how has the reaction been?
2: Uh, I feel it's been very well, very well received. Um, you know, I, <laughs> I got, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a secondhand story. So, uh, just a few months ago, and I'll, I'll try to leave out names, or maybe I'll say the names and we can edit them out later. But uh, um, basically, there was a uh, there was a shoot a couple months ago, and this is when. So I've been making lenses for people in Medicine Hat, which is where I'm from, oh, for the past couple years, and then it wasn't until about a year ago where I decided why well, I, I could make a real thing of this. And uh, so I we went to a shoot uh, my first my first shoot uh under the X-shot banner where we had some actual advertising and, and stuff and uh I'll never forget um there's a good friend of mine uh Joel Bruger from uh Firewire custom bowstrings really good archer really good friend uh
0: and really quality bowstrings too
2: oh my god yeah i mean there's there's not a better one out there um anyways but uh he's been helping a lot out with X-shot archery and and we brought him Uh, into the mix a little bit with it not a little bit he's he's in with x-shot archery and uh anyways at this shoot at Ironman there was a shooter there's a there's a a big bunch of of people probably about four or five really good shooters top-notch shooters in Canada and uh to be honest I was a little intimidated by him and so Joel being Joel he knows all these guys and he went up to him he said hey guys just just try the lens. And you got to remember, all these guys, they are they're already sponsored by some pretty big names, some really well-established lens companies. And um so what happened is he convinced them just to try the lens. And uh uh I'm sure we all know uh Clinton Lease, uh really great guy, really fantastic shooter. Um, but you know, when he's when he's down to business, he's down to business, right? And so he's got a shooting face on, and uh, of course, this is all comes from Joel's mouth. So I didn't see this happen, but Joel watched him. He pulled back, uh, he pulled back uh, a bow with my lens in it, and that stone face, concentration look. He just got a little grin, and uh, as he looked through my lens, and so that's when I kind of knew that uh, we might be onto something big here. Um, and then you know, we right at that shoot, uh, a lot of really talented shooters, um, wanted to try and, and yeah, started shooting my lenses and so couldn't, couldn't be more happy. So yeah, uh, I think very well received so far. So onward and upward from there, I guess, right. That's the plan I'm hoping. <laughs>
0: so you were just at the Canadian 3d indoor uh, championships. Um, exactly. you had a booth set up there. How'd that go?
2: Uh, It was really good. Um, So at that point, that was about the third uh, shoot that we'd been to in the past couple months. And so um, a lot of shooters were already uh, shooting our lens, which we're very grateful for. Um, But uh, one really neat thing that, uh, again, Joel had the idea for is, um, you know, because for people to try the lens, that's just, that's our motto, right? See what you've been missing. Uh, and it, it kind of gets a little cumbersome to take their lens out of their scope and put our lens in and then pull it back. And then we might have to change a peep or a clarifier or something like that. And then uh, then to compare, put the other one back in. So we got these Genesis bows and uh, there's three of them. And we have a, a lens, different lens set up in each each one and a different clarifier kit for each one of them. And so probably the coolest thing about the national shoot um was people would come up and they say, hey, I want to try your lens. And so I just grabbed these Genesis bows and we could basically mimic the shooter's exact specifications, right? The biggest thing being the distance from their peep to the to the to the scope housing. So we get that right just to set up uh, get it set up just like their bow would be set up. and then we just say, hey, here's a here's a 6X lens in in our lens look through it and then look through yours. Uh, and uh, it was just really quick because you can compare lenses real, real quick that way. So uh, that was a real neat thing. Spent a lot of time with a lot of kids, right? Kids were trying to learn how to... Uh, some of them were a little too young for a lens, but some of them it's the first time shooting a lens. And uh, that was a really good way to, f- to help those kids find what power they need with what clarifier, because uh, it, it can be a little overwhelming, right? It, um sometimes you get a lens and sometimes a, a certain clarifier doesn't work that you think will work. Uh, and so instead of buying, you know all the clarifiers, we, we could find out exactly what power they needed and exactly what clarifier they needed, uh, which is I think pretty helpful for a lot of those kids.
0: Right, right. So um what prices do your lenses run at?
2: So our standard lenses uh, run at 99.99. And then our premium lenses go for $169.99.
0: Which is still a bargain compared to some of the other lenses on the market.
2: Well, I think so. Um, especially when with the feedback that we've been getting, it's... Uh, I mean, it we're getting some really, really positive feedback compared to some other really high-end lenses out there, so... Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a great price, I think.
0: So, are you able to fit lenses into uh, most of the scopes on the market now, like Ultraview, um, Optum, Nomad, uh, you know those ones from Shroud and uh, Ultraview and Excel and all
2: those? Yeah, so every basically every scope on the market uh, we can do. Um, so. Probably the, the biggest ones out there, no surprise, are the Excel AV and AVX thirty one and forty ones, and the Ultra Views are real popular. Shrewd's are really popular, um, but yeah, we fingers also really popular, um, but yeah, from Spot Hog uh, B three um, HHA, all, basically all of them. In fact, there's this new company, uh, Dialed Archery, that uh, uh, we just started making lenses for also. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we we can make lenses for anything, even some of the more custom ones, like uh, the CCS scopes. Those are a little bit trickier, uh, but uh, but we can get those made for those ones also.
0: Um, do you have uh, lenses drilled, like the uh, the UV drilled lenses?
2: Yeah. So that's that's a great question. I was hoping you might not ask me that, but uh, <laughs> so the long answer. Uh, well, the short answer is yes. I do, but the long answer is I don't advertise it yet because right now uh, with our manufacturing process, uh, we're, having, we're having inconsistencies with where that hole is drilled. Uh, and so like we're talking, that hole is drilled within half a millimeter of the center of the lens every time, but until it's a hundred percent in the center of the lens, I'm not going to start advertising it. Um, so. If people ask me for a center drilled lens, I kind of explain that, yeah, I do it. Um, you might have to do a click up, down, left, right, or whatever with your micro adjust to, to recenter it. But um, yeah, I uh, that's kind of the the spiel that I give them. And if, they, if they're okay with that, then I'll, I'll make it for them.
0: Okay. So um, do you make the lenses yourself, like in your own shop? Or is this something that you've uh, worked with another company on?
2: Uh, so that's another complicated question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so basically I, I would say, okay, I I know what I want in a lens. And so there's lens companies that mass produce lenses. And so I say, I I want these specifications in a lens, um, made out of this material, this design, uh, start making them for me. and, And they come in these, uh, big lens blanks. Um, about about that big, and then I cut them down to fit into uh, whatever scope housing they have.
0: Okay, sweet. Um, yeah. all right. Uh, anything else you want to add? The anything else you want to add is going to get edited out. I just.
2: Uh... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't think so. Um. I I mean I guess the only thing I can think of right now is. I mean, I'm not sure if this is corny or not, but uh, I would just like to express some gratitude to some really key people uh, in this process. Um, so, my wife, number one, because uh, I have a day job, right? So I gotta like do my normal optometry stuff, and then when I get home, I'm I'm oftentimes doing X shot stuff, and so she's been extremely patient with me. So you know, she gets a shout out. Uh, Joel Bruger, awesome guy to work with. Um, just couldn't be happier with him, uh, and then of course all the shooters that have taken a chance on me, right? Because us being a new company, not trust uh, with with very little exposure in the field, uh, very little history and background. I mean, it was a big leap for some of these guys to uh, to drop their current land sponsors and and come on with me. So, uh, and every single one of my shooters is amazing. I mean, they're just uh, fantastic fantastic shooters fantastic people um but yeah that's if i had to add anything it would it would be it would be that
0: all right well um thanks to joel i've got an x-shot archery lens in my uh scope i'm loving it so far so
2: yeah how's it It working
0: well it hasn't helped me shoot any better but at least i can see (laughs) where i'm missing (laughs) there you go yeah 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 Okay, Brady Haslam, X-Shot Archery. Thank you very much for being on Canada Talks Archery.
2: Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me, Kelly.
0: That's it for another episode of Canada Talks Archery. I'd like to thank our guests, Alan Gunter and Brady Haslam. I'm Kelly Taylor, your host, and I'll be looking for you next month on Canada Talks Archery.